Hey, this is H1 speaking. H1 is here to talk about chest knowledge, chest wisdom, and chest understanding. And don't forget, we will be running it back this episode talking about sacrifices. How to use a sacrifice in chess. Most of the things that we're going to be talking about today will be what is a sacrifice in chess, of course. When is a sacrifice useful? Why are sacrifices important? And how to use a sacrifice in chess. A lot of sacrifices is going to be talked about in this podcast episode. So sit back, relax, you know, have some Cheetos, have like a little salad on the side with some, with a, like a, a Caesar dressing, you know what I mean? Get some croutons, get some like sliced up shredded carrots, um, put that in the salad, put that in the romaine, right? Put, put that in there. And then after you do that, you good, you you Gucci. I'm just going to make it a Golemon to end off every segment with Gucci. <laughs> I'm probably not. I'm probably going to forget once we get to the next segment. Okay, follow me down through the hallway of sacrifices if you if you think you can survive this. Hey, welcome to the hallway of sacrifices, and we're going to be talking about what is a sacrifice. A sacrifice is mostly when a person is doing the heavy lifting, giving up things that are important to them, or adjusting their values time and time again. Now, halfway through that definition, you probably realize that that sacrifice means nothing in chess. We're not talking about relationship sacrifices. We don't care about those. We're talking about chess sacrifices. Sacrificing your queen, your pawns, your just basically your whole family. And how to do it in a sufficient way where it's meaningful in chess. And that's what makes it kind of poetic in a sense. But anyway, in chess, it says right here, a sacrifice is a move given up a piece to gain tactical or positional compensation in other forms. A sacrifice could also be a deliberate exchange of a chess piece of higher value for an opponent's piece of lower value. Now, you probably kind of get the gist of it, but let me explain it to you in like a, a H1 style. So being sacrificial, instance, is being relentless, cutthroat, unyielding. Basically, every synonym of the word sacrifice, being being stoic in a sense, is the person that is giving that sacrifice. Now, the sacrifice is something that you shouldn't be afraid of, right? Because you're doing this deliberately, so you know the plan after you do the dang sacrifice. And since you know the plan, or should be knowing the plan then that means that the sacrifice shouldn't be a stupid move. It should be something that you're confident in doing. So if you're not confident in doing the sacrifice, then you shouldn't be doing it at all. Now, the tough part about that realization is that sometimes the sacrifice is needed to win games. But if you're not ready for the sacrifice, you're just not ready. You're going to have to find some other avenue to win the chess game 
Now, when I'm doing a sacrifice as H1, as as a person that's been playing chess for many, many years, how I feel when I'm making a sacrifice, I feel these three emotions. I just I just typed this out um, recently. I feel these three emotions. It is either uneasiness, confidence, or you know, poker face. And I'll explain all three of them in a minute. So uneasiness is self-explanatory. You know what I mean? So when I do a sacrifice, it's kind of like, oh crap, I didn't really calculate all of this. And I'm not certain that this is going to win me the game. But I understand that I had to do it. And so that's kind of uneasiness. Just from not knowing if it's the perfect move to do. Now, confidence is me basically doing a sacrifice and knowing like whatever move that my opponent does, it's going to be whack and th- their position is going to be trash and garbage. Now, sacrifices like these is the difference between a grandmaster and all other novice players under grandmaster because grandmasters always do confident sacrifices. And that's why we should be developing this too. We should be developing how to calculate and how to see force and moves. But we're not talking about how to sacrifice uh, yet in this episode. We're gonna we're gonna save that for the end. Now, poker face. What is that? I did poker face before at a tournament. Um, it was the last time I played the Carol Khan um, at this one tournament. It was money on the line. And it was like the last game. It was late. It was 7 o'clock. I was in middle school playing as grown up. Just everything wasn't right. I was losing in the Karakon. Didn't know my variations all that right. And um, I played the move. I I played my last move that could, you know, start on my opponent. And it was a losing position. My king wasn't castled. I was trying to castle by hand, but it didn't work. But... I had some weird attack on my opponent's king on the H file because um, I lost my H pawn and I, I had some weird attack. And I knew, like, maybe, just maybe, I had a chance of startling my opponent to do something wrong. Because, in hindsight, the move that I did it looked like that my opponent was losing. But it was really hard to find, like, the last move to do for my opponent. It was really hard to find it. And at this time, you know, I was going to... Uh, I was 1,500, and my opponent was, like, 1,400. And I was mad. It was, it was a whole situation because I knew I could do better than that. And my, uh, my opponent... Not only did they, like, um, look at the position and thought about the position for about 20 minutes, but they resigned. Yes, they resigned the whole position because they couldn't find the last move to defend um, in their position. Now, it did look like that they was losing, but it wasn't. And that's why I tell y'all not to give up early, just in case. But my opponent, they, you know, they underestimated um, me and themselves. So, 
That's what happened. And that's what I call poker face. Me winning a position that I had no business winning at all. And just keeping a confident face. Because that was a little bit of psychology too. Like I couldn't look at him at all. I just had to stay focused on the chessboard, not laugh, not um, show any weakness on notating my position, no shaking. It had to have been like a, a confident move that had to have been done at that moment. And I showed my coach this at the time, um, kind of slash coach slash just person that just brought me to a tournament. And they was like, wow, you pulled that off. And I was like, yes, I did. That, that guy was... Um, he was something else. He he just let me win, and I was like, I was I was excited, but at the same time, pretty disappointed. So I went I went back home that night, studied some more, and I then I realized I'm never playing the Carol Khan ever again. <laughs> so sorry to all my Carol Khan people. Like I'll play it like regular chess, online chess, just nothing as important as a tournament that had money on the line. I, I can't do that. Just the psychological pressure that that put on H1 is um, it's it's too much anxiety. All right. It's too much anxiety. And sometimes you just got to you got to put that to the side. And then once you put that to the side, then you can finally be free to play whatever you want. And, you know, if I would have never put the Karakon to the side, I would have never found my favorite variation on the Sicilian defense. So, kudos to me. Kudos to me. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When is a sacrifice useful? Well, in my experience, as H1, a sacrifice is pretty much useful once you start developing your pieces, getting your king castled, and once the king is castled, and they're like, hey, y'all can go ahead and go attack that other king over there, and then the people like, yes, sir, since we got you saved, we're going to go over there and attack the king over there and make sure that we're doing the right sacrifices. Like, who's being sacrificed? And then your pieces are like, this is not going to be me, and then... The pawns just feel sorry because the pawns is kind of like, well, we get sacrificed every single day. You know what I mean? This is just what happens. We're already through this. Like they're they already got the muscle memory to be sacrificed. You know, that's where the the whole term gambit came from. And so I just wanted to demonstrate that sacrifices are more useful in the middle game and in the end game. Now. Usually in the end game, sacrifices are a little bit more dangerous. Usually when a sacrifice is done on the end game, then somebody's losing that position most of the time. Now, you know, with me, it was most of the time if, if somebody like 
sacrificed their bishop for like two pawns and then they got two protected pass pawns. like there's some weird crap that can happen in positions but usually those things happen during the middle game and the end game that's that's something that you just need to keep in mind now it can happen in the opening with like um some pieces develop but it's only if your opponent is just playing trash opening moves like if you see your opponent playing like 15 pawn moves instead of moving any pieces then yeah you you can look for some sacrifices there's probably gonna be some hidden and you you're gonna have to look at all your checks um captures and threats now that doesn't mostly happen in a real chess game but you know just note that and make sure that you don't miss out on your opportunity now that's the thing too if there's a good sacrifice then you should make sure that you go through it in your head um, you should calculate it and make sure that you can gain compensation from that sacrifice you don't want to take an l and miss out on an opportunity usually when you miss out on an opportunity and i see this every time i go through my games like through the computer every time i miss an opportunity to sacrifice that usually the next move your opponent can either get out of it and then you're not winning at all or you you sometimes might have another chance too but if you miss it the second time is over but usually it's over after the first time you miss the opportunity um, the computer can be like, up, oh, you missed that. Yep, the opponent could do this, 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 that. And then in my head, in my human head, I'm like, dude, ain't no human opponent gonna do any of those moves. But it could happen. That's what makes a difference between the elite grandmasters and the regular grandmasters, which is crazy to say, but it's it's a big difference between like a, a 28, 2700 than a 2500 or 2600 but you know you usually when you miss a sacrifice you miss an opportunity which is going to bring your um position downward it's not going to um increase your advantage in the position if you miss a sacrifice and keep on missing them it's not going to help you win more games by missing sacrifices all you'll be doing is taking l's and you don't want to be an l eater you don't want to be that person. You don't want to just be eating L's all the time. You want to stop the mistakes at the root of the problem so that you can branch out and maybe, just maybe, sprout another tree, baby. You know? <laughs> I don't even know if that's how nature works, but if that's how nature works, then that's like a beautiful little segue to the next um to the next phase of this episode you know what i mean h1 got you bro h1 got y'all bro and sis you know what i mean uh, both y'all you know i, I got y'all <laughs> why are sacrifices important now <clears throat> I kind of mentioned one of the reasons why sacrifices are important because you don't want to take L's. You don't want to miss out on opportunities because when you miss out on an opportunity, then your position just go from winning to like dumpster fire. You know what I mean? That's how the that's how the engines see it. I'm not just saying this. This is not like an H1 scale, but just just go through your chess.com elite chess games and just go through like 
like if there was a sacrifice that you missed and see how the computer would have reacted you're gonna you're gonna feel the same despair that h1 felt on um on on his 10,000 games that i played on lee chess so um why are sacrifices important first of all um like i'm gonna say before putting your putting pressure on your opponent is the utmost important and a sacrifice can cause your opponent your human opponent to mess up um remember like overwhelming your opponent is the main course of the chess game if you can do that then you're set you're gucci you know and so you want your opponent to waste time freaking out about your next plan but if your opponent isn't wasting time on your good moves there could be only two options one you was doing sorry moves and you need to do better or two he's just a or she is just a fast player and they're not thinking about their moves at all and you can capitalize on that hopefully you're the first option where you know <laughs> i mean not the first option i'm just saying hopefully it's the second option where you know you're still playing good moves and your opponent's playing fast instead of it just being like you think you're doing um expert level threats and to your opponent it's it's nothing it's like uh it's like when um it's like when goku went super saiyan 3 against beerus it's, it's pretty much like that you know goku thought he was doing this thing and then beerus like like palmed him on the shoulder just look up the youtube clip it, it was pretty disappointing but yeah it's, it's kind of like that when putting pressure on your opponent and that's why goku had to learn super saiyan god mode to to fight off beers because that super saiyan 3 crap wasn't doing anything in in dragon balls and dragon ball super you know what i mean it, it's the exact same thing so <clears throat> if your opponent isn't taking time to look for the best move then that can be a, a good indicator of you're not doing your job right just to keep that in mind next thing sometimes to add on with the pressure your opponent it's it's good to change the dynamic of the game usually a game is going a certain way nobody's trading pieces um there's no breakthroughs or like a game is not going your way and there's a point of the game in the and it's usually in the middle game where you have to change the dynamic of the game to cause more mistakes by either your opponent and hopefully not you you got to make that decision to change the dynamic of the game. And it could be like you trade in two minor pieces for their rook. And you just thought that maybe, just maybe, doing this trade could get you like a better opportunity to win in this end game. Stuff like this happens all the time once you get like up there in rating. Um, changing, the, changing the dynamic of the game can definitely increase your... Um, increase your chances of getting a winning position especially if your opponent isn't looking forward to it and i would be very confident in your skills in that next position if you're changing the dynamic in that way like um and i would practice that i would practice that too i would go ahead practice like bishop knight versus rook end games um i would go ahead do this on your own time go on lead chess go on chess.com just practice these weird different type of end games like i'm pretty sure 
Um, most of the people, maybe most of the people that probably are listening right now haven't practiced um, three minor pieces against a queen, you know? And that could be something that could happen in a chess game. Um, in one of Bobby Fischer games, it happened. So why couldn't it happen with you? Um, once you get better at those odd um, games that nobody else is studying, then you already have um, an advantage that nobody else has had. And so when somebody else get in that position, they're like, oh, crap, I didn't want to play this. I don't know anything about this type of dynamic. And then you're like, well, I listened to this H1 podcast and he told me to study this and I'm the best now. Hopefully you would say that. And, and then I would congratulate you from afar and say that my spirit is with you always. And so... The next thing of why sacrifices are important is usually when the first opportunity arrives, a sacrifice has to be done. Plus, when your opponent has a horrible position, all it takes is one sacrifice. And that last part is definitely true. Please, if your opponent's position is cramped or you're attacking their king and their king is out in the open, and all you need to do is that one sacrifice. That's the moment where you take all the time you have to just work out that sacrifice. There's critical moments in chess. And these moments come in blitz games too. And these are the moments where you have to take time to look at it and to calculate. And at these moments, at these important moments... That's when you realize, oh crap, I need to stop, calculate this, um, calculate it fast, all the forcing checks, um, checks, threats, and um, captures. Just check all these right quick and see my opponent's responses of checks, um, threats, and captures. And once you do that, then you do the move. And it better be a good one too. Last one. It takes a real one to take a position 0 to 100 real quick. I put that as a um, as a reason, which kind of goes along with the change of dynamic of the game. But um, I put this phrase in there because you got to realize that there's such thing in chess as to ramping things up. Ramping things up where it's it's so sharp that each player has to do the right move. And this is what I call a do and die situation. Once you get in these situations, then that's when you really know who's the best at chess, who can calculate at chess, who know who has the who has the um, the best calculating skills too. Who has the best calculating skills? Um, if you if you can handle these um, zero to hundred real quick positions. Now that's that's pretty much all I have on why our sacrifice is important. But let's go on to the next segment, talking about how to use a sacrifice in chess. How to use a sacrifice in chess. First of all, 
which is the easy one, look at all of your forcing moves, the checks, captures, and threats. The checks, captures, and threat. Keep that in mind always when you're playing chess. The checks, captures, and threats. I talk about this all the time. I have a whole episode talking about it. Please just listen to that if you want in-depth um, conversation on how to evaluate a chessboard. Now, the second thing I want to talk about came from a book, The Tao of Chess, and it says, sacrifice your opponent's pieces. Now, it has this principle in the in the book, and I like it a lot because most people get scared or afraid of taking pieces, especially from better opponents. And most people view that piece as like a trap or something that they shouldn't be taking. And that could be like a pawn that is sacrificed or like uh, or a knight that your opponent is sacrificing. But remember, you can think these things through. You have to trust yourself to make the right actions, to make the right decision. And sometimes your opponent hasn't seen things through all the way. Sometimes your opponent miss that one move that you could find easily. So, you have to consider it. Put it in your calculation. And maybe, just maybe, they just lose in a piece. And let's say, for instance, that it does put you in a cramped position or like in an in, impossible situation. And you, you find yourself at a losing position there are ways to get out of that losing position, which is the third way I was going to talk about is when somebody sacrificed their piece, don't be afraid to give it back. You can always give back that piece. Be like, hey, I know you gave me that piece. I want to give you my peace offering and we should be good. That, Like, what are we doing here? And then usually when you give that piece back, Everything should go back to normal. Now, the way that you have to give that piece back, you don't just want to give it back with no compensation for it. You want to give it back with, like, eliminating something that they had when they first did the sacrifice. Like, let's say they did a sacrifice and now they're attacking your king. If you're eliminating a piece, you want to uh, abolish their sacrifice with the sacrifice that you did to give it with the peace offering that you did to give that peace back so you have to find some compensation to alleviate yourself from pressure or maybe get a winning position you never know you never know so the next thing i want to talk about how to use a sacrifice in chess is don't do a stupid sacrifice with no follow-up and Quote from H1. Please, please stop. Don't do this. Don't do a stupid sacrifice with no follow-up. If you don't have a follow-up, then there is no purpose of the sacrifice. You didn't think it through. Even in Blitz, you have to think the sacrifice through. You can't be a wood pusher. You can't be a wood pusher. You can't be pushing wood with with no idea of what you're doing you have to have something in mind an idea and i know there's a quote that says like you know what what, what was it what was, you know the quote you know the quote 
you know it it says um i, I have it in mind and i just did all that segue um messaging just to just remember it. <laughs> it was pretty stupid but the quote is um don't a bad move with a plan is better than than a move with no plan it's along those lines so make sure that you have a plan what with whatever that you do instead of just doing stupid crap and not actually learning and progressing in your chess skills um two more uh remember a knight with the outpost is worth the rook so if there's a powerful knight somewhere on in the middle of the board just remember that's worth a rook. That's a good principle to keep in mind. So if your opponent has a, a knight on the outpost, then, you know, you, you could be losing. You could be down two pawns, theoretically, since now you know that principle. And then the last one is fortune favors the brave. Remember, you're going into, like, the jungle when you do the sacrifice. And you have to be happy in the jungle. You have to be happy, like, finding leaves for your clothes, um, building your own well to get water, um, mud everywhere, spiders and cockroaches and birds and monkeys. Like, you gotta, you gotta be ready for this crap. Chess isn't an easy game if you're trying to get some dubs. So... In order for you to get some dubs, you got to do mistakes. And in order for you to find mistakes, you know what you got to be? You got to be brave, bruh. You got to be brave. And that's one of the major keys in chess. You got to have bravery. And that can facilitate everything else in your life. If you could just, just manifest some bravery. Once you do that, you Gucci. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, you Gucci, you Gucci. made it to the end of the episode i'm glad that you made it here because i was kind of getting bored of you not being here until the end and you know thank you for being here thank you for listening to the episode if you want to listen more than i'm going everywhere okay i got a i got a whole website that you can go to called chess knowledge with h1 but if you just want to stay here on the podcast if you're listening to this on spotify youtube um, at Google Podcasts, anything else, then just follow, subscribe, do do all of those things. You know, I want you to stay notified of when I post something. So s- stay healthy, um, stay hydrated. H1 is out.